have you noticed that um, you can be in a room and you can ha- be having a conversation and people will be talking about God and um, they, they talk very freely about, well, God, because God to them could mean many things. But then all of a sudden, somebody interjects the name of Jesus and then everything changes because there's only one Jesus, Amen. And if anybody knows anything about anything, they know who he is. People don't be th- feel threatened by God for some reason. But they sure feel threatened. Are convicted, are blessed uh, when you name the name of Jesus. Thank you, Brother Ed, for exalting Jesus today and leading us. I want to speak to you this morning on the commandments of Jesus. In John 14, 15, look what it says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You mean to me, Brother Fred, Jesus had commandments? Yeah, he does. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21, he went on to say, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. Now listen to this. I will manifest myself to him. Jesus said, when you keep my commandments, you please the father. He's able to pour out his love on you. And by the way, when you keep my commandments, I'm able to manifest myself in your life. And then in verse 23 of John 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, underline those words, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Fellowship. So we we, we spoke last week on that genuine sincere love in the heart of a child of God for Jesus is the key to him living an obedient life. It's hard to obey out of the law. You have to. But it's a different story when your heart is filled with the love for Jesus and you start obeying him not because you have to but because you love him. And you, love, and you obey him because you want to. You know, Paul realized that a lot of people did not understand him and understand his zeal for the Lord. But he tells us the reason he was the way he was was he understood the love of Jesus. Let, let's look at Second uh, Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ compels me. Well, Paul, they kept putting you in prison every time you preached. He said, but you don't understand The love of Christ compels me. Well, they threatened you and they ridiculed you and they ran you out of town. He said, but you don't understand. Why do you keep doing this, Paul? He said, well, I'm just telling you the love of Christ compels me. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. And that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who loved them and gave himself for him. So it is obvious that obedience to the commandments of Jesus come not out of obligation, 
but it comes out of love. Because we love him, it is a joy and a delight to obey him. And you know, um, Paul understood that it was so difficult to comprehend how much the, the, uh, the Savior loved us. So he wrote this in Ephesians 3.17. Listen to it. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints the, bre- the width, length, depth, and height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul's saying, you know, when you really, in your heart, know how much Jesus loves you, you will be filled with the fullness of God. And remember, obedience to the commandments of Christ come not out of obligation, but come out of devotion, come out of our love for him. You know, last week we preached on keeping the, uh, obeying Christ. And I use that verse, if you, if, if you keep my commandments, you will obey me. Well, at the picnic last Sunday afternoon, uh, a, a person said to me, but Brother Fred, I agree with that, but a lot of people don't know what the commandments of Jesus are. I said, well, you know, this is probably true, that they just don't know the commandments of Jesus. Well, that about five minutes later, uh, a person who had been attending our church for a couple of months, I was sitting there in the chair, and that person came up to me and said, you know, you said this morning that if we love Jesus, we'd keep his commandments. What are his commandments? Is it go to church? Is it be baptized? She said, I don't know what the commandments of Jesus are. I said, well, maybe I ought to preach on that. What are the commandments of Jesus? And you say, Brother Fred, is there any passage in the Bible that shows us the love of Jesus, that that reveals that to us and calls us uh, to love him? Is anyone that shows any passage that shows the commandments of Jesus, I mean? Is there any passage in the Bible that shows us the commandments of Jesus that if we love him, we'll obey? Yes. In fact, there's Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was sitting on a hill, and the disciples and others get around him, and he preached the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And do you know what you find in that sermon? You find his commandments. You say, well, Brother Fred... Uh, are, are they any way related to Moses' commandments, the Ten Commandments? How does the commandments of Jesus stack up with the commandments of Moses? Well, here's a great verse that will encourage you. In Matthew five seventeen through 19, he said, now listen to this. This is important. Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. He said, I did not come to do away with the Ten Commandments and the Word of God that came through the prophets. Do not think that I came to destroy the Law and Prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. 
And so it wasn't that Jesus came and said, now, we'll just set aside the uh, law and the prophets, the Ten Commandments and the, the Word of God from the prophets. We'll just set that aside. And from here on, it'll just be, be my commandments. No, no. He said, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And he said, I'm telling you, heaven and earth will pass away. But not one jot or tittle will pass until this law is fulfilled. Hey, so Jesus was right into the fulfilling of the, of, of the, of the commandments of God. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. There's no way we can look at chapter 5, 6, and 7 and everything that's in there. But I'm just going to give you a few examples of the commandments of Jesus. Hey, by the way, uh, Jesus made it clear uh, that if we kept his commandments, that we would be very secure in life. He made it very clear that if we keep his commandments, we would not only be able, uh, would not only be able afraid to live, but we'd be afraid to die. He, he talked about the security that comes to a believer who believes and obeys his commandments. L listen uh, what he says over in the, the very last part, Matthew um, 5, and it's verses, um, tw it's verses, let me see what verses they are. It's, it's verses 24 through 27. Listen to what Jesus said would be the result. We hear his commandments, and that because we love him, we obey his commandments. Then he said, you're ready to live and you're ready to die. Look what the end, this is the closing part of his message. Boy, you talk about a great conclusion. Listen to what he said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it did not fall, because it was founded on a rock. Jesus said, let me tell you something. You, you want to be ready to live, and you want to be ready to die, and you want to have a security in your life that can face any trial? He said, listen, if you hear my word, and out of love you obey it, when the storms of life come, I want you to know that you'll stand and your house will stand because it's built upon the foundation of obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. But what if we hear them and don't obey them? He said, that, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So hearing's not enough. Whoever hears these commandments of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon the house. Listen to this. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. So the, the commandments of the Lord Jesus are so vitally important to our everyday life. And if we obey them, hey, we're building our life on a rock, the rock of Jesus and his obedience. But if we don't obey them, Man, we're building our life on sand. And sand cannot stand the storm. Well, you say, well, Pastor, just tell me about a few of Jesus' commandments. All right, here's the first one. Jesus spoke in Matthew 5, 21 about murder. 
Now, but you see, Jesus always came at it in a different way than Moses did. Moses said, thou shalt not kill. But Jesus said, but you've got, you've got to go beyond that, and you've got to go back to why people kill. And so Jesus said, he's going to say now, you have heard, but I want to add a little bit to it. It says, you have heard that it was said to thee, to, through thee of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But, go, but listen to what he says. But I say to you, oh, he says, I'm adding to this. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Hey, wait a minute. Jesus went to the root of murder. He said, if you're not angry, you won't murder. But if you have anger, it's just like that anger produces hate. And that hate produces murder. Jesus talked not only about what we should not do, but what the root of it was. Have you noticed in society now that there's so much anger? All right, here's a person who works at a company, has a job. He doesn't get along with some of the people he works with. So they fire him. And he is full of anger. How many times do we see on the news, week after week and month after month, this person who was fired, and he, of course, he feels unjustly, he gets a gun, goes back down to the place where he works, and he kills the people. It may be three. It may be four. What in the world did he do that? Anger. Anger. Anger is what produces murder. So Jesus' commandment was said, you better learn how to deal with anger. You better let God take that away from you. Because if you don't, you'll end up doing something you regret doing. So that's just one example. Jesus said, I, I know you're not supposed to murder, but let me tell you why you do. And that's where you need to cut the head of it off. You don't need to be angry. But he goes on to another one. Now, these are all in this, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about murder. Look what he said about adultery in Matthew 5, 27. You have, you have heard that it was said to you, you shall not commit adultery. Well, that's one of the Ten Commandments. But now he said, I'm, I'm going to add a little bit to it. <laughs> but I say to you, now he's not nullifying what Moses said, but he's saying, you've got to understand the root of it. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus said, I... You don't want to commit the act of adultery. But that's not where it starts. It starts in the heart. When you look on a person, man or woman, and you lust after them. And that's when adultery is birthed in your heart. See, Jesus just didn't deal with the act. He said, let me tell you why people do what they do. And he warned us to watch what we allow our eyes to settle on and what we allow our hearts to to think, think about. So he dealt with uh, uh, murder. That's one of the Ten Commandments. But he added to it. He dealt with adultery. But that's one of the Ten Commandments. But he added to it. But then he, he kind of took a sidestep, Jesus did. And, and I'm not listing all of them. But he, he dealt with marriage. And I want you to look what he said about marriage. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife... Let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, let me tell you what Jesus was thinking about. In Moses' time, if a man, they were married, 
And a man went to Moses or the priest and said, it ain't working. It ain't working. And said, I'm not going to live with her anymore. I'm not going to live with him anymore. So uh, they would uh, give him a, a certificate of divorce. Said, okay, we'll give you a certificate of divorcement. And, um, and Jesus said that was because of the hardness of their heart. But Jesus said, now let me just settle this with you about this thing of divorce. But I say unto you, whosoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. See, see, Jesus said, I know what Moses said. If a person wants to divorce, just write him a certificate of divorcement. Kind of like today, you just go down and you just say he wasn't good or she wasn't good. And you, you argue a little bit over who's going to get the money. And then you get a divorce. In Moses' day, they just, well, just signed it for me. Will you? I'm going to get out of this thing. But Jesus said, no, you've got to understand. It's much deeper than that. And so he addressed marriage by simply saying the only condition in which there is grounds for divorce and thus for remarriage is sexual immorality. So his commandment went far further than the commandment of Moses. And then, of course, there was another one about how we're to respond to, to evil. These are all the commandments of Jesus. They're all in the, in the, in the um, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, how do we respond to evil? You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Then he goes on and says, but I tell you, now this is strong. Jesus said, I tell you not to resist evil, not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, let, let the other to him also. Well, he said, well, then let him hit you on the left cheek. You know, and, and we talk about that and we laugh about it. Well, what do you do after he slaps your left cheek? But, you know, let, let me tell you about that. Jesus said, we don't respond to evil like other people do. We, we, we don't live, I'm going to get even, I guarantee you that. He said, no, no. Our walk with the Jesus and our love for Jesus, we respond to evil in another way. In fact, uh, in a moment, he goes on and says to love our enemies. I never will forget this. I've never heard of anybody who turned the cheek. I've heard about people gotten fights and all that stuff. But a good friend of mine was dating this lady who was a wonderful Christian. She had been divorced. And uh, they, they really cared about each other. Her husband had abandoned her and had gotten a divorce. Well, when he heard that this guy was dating his ex-wife, he came to where he was working. And he said, aha, yeah, you're supposed to be a Christian. And you're stealing my wife from me. Well, he wasn't doing that. The woman had already left. I mean, he'd already left his wife. So standing there in the parking lot and said, you're stealing my wife from me. And he took off and hit him right in the eye and just jolted him back. Now, he didn't go down. My friend didn't. So he just stood there and looked at him. He said, you're not going to hit me back? He said, no. He said, why aren't you going to hit me back? He said, because I'm not going to hit you back. It stunned him. And he eventually just, just walked away. Just walked away. You know, I told my friend after that, I said, I know he's divorced her, and I know that you have not any way pursued her, but I'm going to tell you what you've got to do. If he thinks you're stealing his wife, then you've got to break that off. 
You can't, go, let, you can't let him go around saying, you know, he, he said he was a Christian. But look what he's done. He has stolen my... I said, you're going to have to do the hardest thing you've ever done. You're going to have to break away from him. And then let God work it out. And I said, if it's of God, he will work it out. Well, sure enough, he, he, he backed away. And it was hard on him. Hard. Well, about two weeks later, the ex-husband just disappeared again. And, and she never heard from him anymore. I said, see there, instead of trying to work it out in the flesh, you allowed God to work it out. And you honored God in the way you kept the commandment of Jesus. You literally turned the other cheek. And God used it, I know, to convict that man of what he did. You see, the commandments of Jesus go a lot further. They go to the root of why we do what we do, not just the act. Let's take about loving your enemies. In Matthew 5, there's still the Sermon on the Mount. These are the commandments of Jesus. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But he goes on and says, but now Jesus is changing this. He said, but I say to you, now I, I know what you heard, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. For they... Who, who, who despitefully use you and persecute you. And he, and he goes on and says in, in uh, uh, verse 46, that for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. You see, there are the commandments of Jesus. But they just don't talk about the act. They talk about the condition of the human heart. And how did that, the, our hearts are changed by the power of Jesus. We're not going to be able to keep the moral law of God. And, and I'm just simply saying that Jesus' commandments. But you know, you know what else he told us in the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, you say, well, Brother Fred, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not guilty of any of those things. You've just talked about murder and adultery or, or, uh, or responding wrong to evil. And I, I love my enemies. But you know what he does? He goes from all these commandments about our actions, and guess what he tells us to do? What most of you do every day. He said, don't worry. Look at what he said. This is right in, that, in, the, right in the middle of the commandments of Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what will you put on? Is not the life more than food? And the body more than raiment. How many times when you get up and get ready to go to church. Does your wife says I haven't got anything to wear. <laughs> or and you go and look in the closet. And you can't got any room for anything else. And, they, and then after you get through that she says. Well where are we going to eat? <laughs> it's like we have our mind on things that. Jesus said don't worry about that. He said don't worry about what you're going to wear. Or where are you going to eat? He said, your father knows about that. He says, and he goes on in the next verse and says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep. They neither gather them to bonds. But your heavenly father takes care of them. How much more will he of you? Hey, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you see that Jesus touched every area of life. Honestly, I'm just, I'm just touching the surface. He touched every area of life. He said, listen. Don't worry. I never will forget. 
I was in uh, Daytona Beach with my good friend Emmett Hildreth. And you'd have to know Emmett. He got saved in his living room watching our television program. And, 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 and he's been on fire ever since. I mean, I, I never worried about Emmett going to heaven. I, if he didn't overshoot it, I knew he was going to heaven. And everybody that knows him, he was absolutely a wild man for Jesus. And still is. I, I saw him uh, a, few, uh, a few years ago. And he was just blistered. And I said, well, well, you must have been out laying on the beach. He said, oh, no. From about, eight, about 9 o'clock this morning, I just walked down the beach and gave out tracts to all the people that were laying in the sun. That was Emmett. We were standing on the uh, sand on Daytona Beach. And you know what he looked at me and said? He said, Fred, the birds are fat. I said, what? He said, the birds are fat. He said, God takes care of the birds. Don't you think he'll take care of me and you and meet our every need? I think that was a pretty uh, important observation. The next time you get all worried about, go out and check the birds. They're doing real good, real good. And so, and what are the commandments of Jesus? They're found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But Jesus said also that we're not to judge other people. He said, don't do that. He says, Judge not that you, this is Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. He said, with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you measure, it shall be measured to you. Now, let me tell you what judging is. You make an evaluation or opinion or express something about a person. And you don't have the facts. There's no reason. You're just basing it on your opinion and on what you've observed you do not know the truth. You may or may not, but still, you're not the judge. But most of the time, we judge people without any basis whatsoever. And Jesus went, out, went on in that Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to put the scripture, but he said, listen, you quit trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a telephone pole in your own eye. You say, he didn't say telephone pole. He said a, pl- he said a plank. And so, you know, the commandments of Jesus deal with every area of our life. Relationships, decisions, choices. And he said, by the way, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then there's another one that I wanted to mention to you. Then I'm going to move on. You say, well, I certainly hope so. But anyway, uh, you know what he told us to do? To seek God, God's kingdom first, and that everything else would be added unto us. We, we all know that in Matthew 6, 33. But listen to what Jesus said. He's been talking about all these things, and he's sitting there on the mountain, and there's a multitude listening to him teach, and they don't realize it. it's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. He didn't realize that Jesus was going to the depth of what it means to obey God. And he said in, in, in verse 33, but seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these other things that you're concerned about and worried about they will be added to you therefore do not worry tomorrow about what we about what we uh about to worry about things therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about the, its own things sufficient for the day is the evil thereof okay <clears throat> all right 
Now, you want to know the commandments of Jesus. By the way, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he said, if you love me, you'll keep my word, and I will manifest myself to you. He makes it clear that love for him is what produces obedience. But you know, uh, he kind of switches gears. And you know what he does? He does it in a very subtle way. He says, you know, you're not going to be able to keep these commandments. Nobody did in the Old Testament. And the law, instead of being a blessing, became a curse. The law in the Old Testament was a schoolmaster to drive them to Christ, to show them that they needed to be saved. In the Old Testament, in Romans it says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The way you know you're a sinner is you break the law and he said so I, I, I'm fully aware of the fact that if you don't know you will soon know that you cannot keep my commandments in your own power it is impossible you cannot keep my commandments in your own power he said in fact you got to be sure you're saved you got to be sure you have the Holy Spirit living in you for the power to keep his commandments comes from the indwelling Christ The power to keep his commandments comes from the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and he lives in you and the Holy Spirit in you is not grief. So you know what he does? He talks about three evidences that we're really saved. (laughs) I said, you know, it's like, Lord, you've said all these things, but then you come and say, but you better be sure you know Jesus. You better be sure you're saved because you'll never measure up. You'll never be able to keep my commandments unless you have a personal relationship with me. So the first illustration he gave was about the narrow gate. Look at what it says. This is kind of disturbing. For enter by the narrow gate. He's been talking about all these things we could do or not to do. But said, now listen, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And, and there are many that go in, go in by it. Jesus said, let me tell you something. Being saved, knowing me, having me living inside of you, your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, you get having the supernatural power by my presence to, to obey my word out of love. He said, let me tell you something. You're not going to be able to do it. You better be sure you're saved. Have you gotten in by the narrow gate? The narrow gate's Jesus. He is the, and by the way, in one place, he says, I am the door. I am the door. By me, people enter in and come, uh, enter out. So Jesus reminded them, be sure that you're on the, you entered the, the narrow gate, Jesus, and you're walking in the narrow way, the presence of Christ in your life. It is only as you're on the narrow, went through the narrow gate and are walking on the narrow way that you're going to be able to live the Christian life. And you will love me. But then he doesn't stop there. He goes on in the, in, the, in the same chapter. In Matthew 7. was about the narrow way. He talks about good fruit. <laughs> he says now you want to kind of know how you're doing spiritually. Well look what kind of fruit do you have in your life. It says even so every good tree brings good fruit. But a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. Then he goes and says. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bring forth good fruit. 
And he goes on and says, in the next verse, he says, they don't know what it is, but I do. Um, he says, for by their, by, for, by, therefore, here it is in verse 20, therefore, by their fruits, what? You shall know them. Not necessarily by their words. People can know the right words. But if you're around person long enough, you, you either see good fruit, the fruit of the spirit, or you see bad fruit, the fruit of the flesh. So after giving all of these commandments, Jesus said, you've got to enter by the narrow gate. You've got to walk on the narrow way. And that is me. You'll have to give your life to me and trust me with your life. And then you'll be able to love me and keep my commandments. But I'm telling you, it's a narrow gate. And by the way, one way you can know, one way you can know that you're on the right road is by the fruit in your life. Is it the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness? Or is it the works of the flesh? By their fruits you shall know them. And then, boy, he gave a very disturbing. See, he, he talked about his commandments, and but he comes right down to it and says, but you've you, you got to be saved. You've got to go through the narrow gate. And he comes right down and says, you've got to know you're saved. You either got bad fruit or you got good fruit. And that's how you're going to know. But then... He says, you better be very careful because a lot of people are deceived. A lot of people are deceived. Now, now look what he says in, in verse 21. He says, and this is still in the Sermon on the Mount. It's still a part of the commandments of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not everybody that calls me Lord, they may have a ceremony. They may have a ritual. They may have a rite. And in that ceremony and that ritual, and they write, they call him Jesus, and they call him Lord. But he said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then he goes on to the next verse. Many will say to me, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name uh, cast out demons? And in your name done many wonderful works. Now, that, that, that's pretty strong. Lord, d, d, you know, they're saying, man, in your name we cast out demons. In your name we did many wonderful works. You know, and with all this, and you say, you, you, you say well, I know Jesus is going to say, man, that's great. That's great. But no, look what he says. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. What, Lord? In your name they cast out demons. In your name, they prophesied. In your name, they did many wonderful works. He said, yeah. Well, what do you mean you never knew them? He said, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Here's the key. You who practice lawlessness. He said, you did some pretty, uh, uh, pretty, I, I like maybe a, 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 a deep or, unusual or appeared to be supernatural. You did many wonderful works, but I want to say this to you. You never stopped sinning. You never stopped practicing sin. If you, if you are born of me, you practice righteousness. If you're not born of me, you practice lawlessness. Now, could it be possible that someone could, 
say to Jesus, say, Lord, you know I was an usher. And Lord, you know I was a deacon. And Lord, you know I taught Sunday school. And Lord, you know I was faithful. And Lord, you know I gave. But Jesus looks right into their heart. And they see that he sees that they've never stopped practicing sin. And they will have to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity who practice lawlessness. You see, Jesus gave his, his commandments in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then he got right down to it and said, look, if you are going to live this out, you'll never do it in your own power. You've got to be on that narrow road, Jesus. You've got to have fruit, the fruit of Jesus. And said, you've got to stop practicing lawlessness and you've got to be practicing sin. I mean, start practicing lawlessness and start practicing righteousness. So please understand that Jesus understood what he was doing. But it ought to encourage you. You say, Brother Fred, I could never live up to the standard of, of, of the Sermon on the Mount. No, you couldn't in your own power. Absolutely not. You cannot live the Sermon on the Mount in your own power. You can't do it. But I promise you this. If you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ and allow him to be Lord of your life and let him be in charge of your life, then by the supernatural power of Jesus and the indwelling Holy Spirit, you can live out Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But you'll only do it through the power of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You can be religious, but that's not what I'm talking about. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 wasn't about religion. It was talk about our daily life. And then he concludes by saying this, and I love this passage. You know, they say, uh, when, uh, you know, when you go to school and they try to teach you how to preach, um, if God calls you, they, they can't teach you how to preach. You already know how to preach. If you've got to be taught how to preach, God hadn't called you. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I sure, I sure opened my mouth and it just came out. And I didn't have to say, Lord, please teach me how to preach. I had to ask him to help me not to talk so fast. But, but the thing about it is this. Uh, Jesus said, now, if you just let me be in control, you're going to build your life on the rock. You are the rock of obedience, the rock of a personal relationship with Christ, the rock of, a, of the indwelling Christ. He said, you're going to build your life on a rock. And you're going to have some storms. Oh, you're going to have some storms. The wind's going to blow. The floods are going to come. The rains are going to fall. But you know what? The storms will be pretty rough. And, you, you'll, you'll, and sometimes you'll get real weary in the storm. But just let me remind you this. If you hear my sayings and do them, you built your life on the rock. And your house will not fall. It will not be consumed. Because it was founded on a rock. But then the tragedy is. Somebody hears God's sayings. But he doesn't do them. Or he tries in his own power. But he never does them. Guess what happens. When the trials come. When the rain descends. And the flood came. And the winds blew. And their life is going through. A difficult, difficult storm. Guess what happened. It collapses. Everything they built their life on is just falls 
into like uh, grains of sand because it had no foundation, no foundation, no foundation whatsoever. So I want to answer the question. What are the commandments of Jesus? I want to challenge you to read Matthew 5 prayerfully, Matthew chapter 6 prayerfully, and chapter 7. I want to encourage you just to read them. And then as you read them, you be sure that you're on the narrow way. And Jesus is the door through which you went. And be sure that in your life there's good fruit and not bad fruit. And be very sure in your life that even though you may be doing a lot of religious works, if you're practicing sin, then Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. It's a sobering thing, but I want to thank God. In Jesus, we're saved. In Jesus, we have the power to live a Christian life. In Jesus, we have the power to overcome. In Jesus, we're not afraid to live. And glory to God, we're not afraid to die. But if your life is founded on anything else other than Jesus Christ, it will collapse. And that's a tragic feeling.